All right. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast Episode 5. Um, this is an interesting episode. Uh, what happened leading up to the actually recording of the show was I met a follower, actually a supporter and follower, who had been following me for some time. And he had a friend who was kind of a mentor to him in this age of awakening. And he introduced me to his friend. Uh, the first individual's name is John and the mentor to John was Sean. And uh, as I got to talking with these guys, I realized it would be just a great, great thing to put a show together to kind of talk with average people just like me, uh, aware of the age of awakening, as it's been termed, and talk about the path and the discovery and uh, how much their lives have changed since they've kind of been keyed into the age of deception. In John's case, um, he feels he owes a lot to Sean as kind of a mentor in this journey. Uh, Sean, as fate would have it, is a bit of a shaman and a healer who uses marijuana and marijuana oils and other things to do healing. And when we talked with him, he had successfully treated his wife for breast cancer, I believe, over the course of a year. Um, So as I got to talking to these guys, it was an amazing, amazing thing. And John... uh, came up through the college ball system, playing ball at the college level, became a pro baller, and then uh, retired at some point. I don't want to say too much um, because I don't, I guess I don't want to blow it and make him identifiable um, for the things that we talk about here. But this whole episode is about the age of awakening, uh, the things that people have realized the the commonality sean and i find a lot of commonality and things that we came to understand independent of each other at any rate um this is the first hour and uh the full episode if you're listening to this on my website this is the full episode if you're listening to this on youtube this is the first hour and i hope you'll come over to crow triple seven radio.com and become a member um the second hour of this interview is really quite something Uh, Anyhow, with no further ado, let's jump in. Episode 5, Crow 777 Radio. All right, welcome to Crow 777 Radio Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking with some followers who have been aware of the Crow 777 YouTube channel uh, since roughly about last March. Uh, I'm going to be talking with Sean and John. Uh, They are friends, live in a similar part of the country, Uh, And I believe Sean found me last March online on YouTube, and then he turned John onto Crow 777. And these two gentlemen are both involved at different levels uh, in the awakening and the kind of seeking for the reality that most of us feel is being lied about in in the modern age. So with that, let me welcome you guys aboard. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Welcome, John. Glad to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay, so let me do kind of a quick little outline here. We're basically just going to have a conversation um, as just more or less regular people who are out there experiencing the kind of consciousness shift that I marked beginning at about 2009 for the United States anywhere. Anyway, I'm not really aware of what might be going on in other countries, although I do have some exposure to that through my YouTube channel. And again, I mark... Uh, what I would say is the big awakening in 2009. So Sean is a bit of a shaman and a healer and uses uh, medicinal products, marijuana, and we'll let him talk about that later, uh, to help heal people. And I believe he has a track record of uh, 
doing battle with cancer and coming out on top. And people who have followed my channel know that I have uh, talked extensively about the Gerson method, which I consider a cure for cancer. Now, John, on the other hand, uh, came up through professional sports, uh, playing ball in college and then graduating onto a pro team. Uh, we won't mention those teams because uh, that's probably best for a conversation like this. So let's just jump right in with uh, with Sean here. Um, Sean, can you talk a little bit about uh, the healing and the treatments that, that you're involved in? Well, as far as the healing and treatments, um, of course, all healing starts in, in the mind. Um, and, and so I take everything from that perspective. But I do have a battery of uh, medications that we make that, uh, that assist in that end. Um, it's some of it being uh, what they call Rick Simpson oil, which is cannabis or hemp oil. Um, and we also make colloidal and ionic silver for uh, antibiotic necessities. But uh, can, can largely... You, can you explain to people what colloidal silver is? Colloidal silver is 99.6% pure water. Uh, and it's it's got a constituent of silver particles at the ionic size so that the, they're bioavailable to different parts of the different membranes in the body. Um, the colloidal silver is a larger particle than ionic silver, and uh, it's used for ingestion orally, you know, to drink it for uh, any type of guttural or uh, pretty much any infection can be uh, addressed with colloidal silver. It's just a matter of administrating it properly. Well, you sound like you might be the right person to ask. I had read, um, I don't know, it's been two or three years now, that there was, because there's, you know, there's gold and silver and different things that people in the kind of new age world talk about ingesting. Um, have you ever heard anything about men not supposing, just not supposed to wear or ingest gold um, and something about silver or gold being gender specific as, uh, as remedies? You know, I don't think I've ever heard such anything about that, Crow. Uh, that's all new information to me. Um, I don't know if that would be superstition-based or if it's actually real science, but I'm, I'll definitely look into it. Uh, I do know that gold is used to treat many different ailments, uh, but it's just an expensive way that you could – an expensive element that you can basically do the same thing with silver. Um, they're ionically very similar structures. Um so as far as wearing gold, I don't think you should wear jewelry, period, myself, <laughs> uh, because you have, you have ore deposits in your body, which that's, that's the reason that men are directionally capable in contrast to women. We have a very large ore deposit at the tip of our nose that actually gives us direction. And if you go putting metallic particles on your body in different places, that compass no longer works. Wow. Yeah, it was funny I asked you that because I thought the exact same thing. I, I was wondering, is this hokum and uh, what's it called? There's some kind of gold, monatomic gold, is that correct? I was looking at monatomic gold. Have you ever heard about that? Yes, I have heard of it, and I, I've never gotten into it. Quite frankly, it's just the expense of messing with gold that frightens me off from it. Uh, <laughs> Because it's just such an expensive element, uh, and it's not really that expensive. Don't get me wrong; I, I understand that it's the value of the dollar that's that's waning, not right. the not the value of gold going up. 
Um, actually, gold is still as valuable today as it was in ancient Rome. <laughs> um, you could buy a nice suit in ancient Rome for an ounce of gold, and you can still buy a nice suit for an ounce of gold. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe things haven't changed at all unless the, the Romans had many ounces of gold in their pockets. <laughs> but right, it, well, go it's ahead. just a, it's the fiat currency has lost its value. And so as, as, as these fake currencies lose value, real currency, which gold and silver are, become more valuable in contrast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's terrible. Um, you know, I, I spend so much of my life trying to explain to people uh, that the community that we call Islam, uh, mostly a Muslim community, well, if it's Islam, it's almost 100% Muslim communities, had nothing to do with the terrorism construct or 9-11 or any of these other things. And very few people are aware um, that in Islam, usury is against the law, which is one of the main controlling devices used against Americans in the West here. And not only that, uh, in their kind of religious legal system, which is bound together, uh, it's required that their money has actual value, which means silver or gold has to back it. Um, so you can see where we have been controlled as a nation, much of it through monetary means, uh, by devaluing the dollar, by taking us off the gold standard, by applying usury to all of us for people who are not aware of what usury is. Um, it used to be defined when I was a kid as any interest rate more than 3 or 4%. I think it was 4%. But ironically enough, if you go to places like Wikipedia, which is a piece of crap, um, right. to look it up now, I think they say 15 to 20%, which is ironic because there are credit cards out there charging just under 30% interest, which is the definition of usury, but can you address that? I mean, you seem to be pretty knowledgeable in fiat currency. Yeah, the 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 whole currency game is is literally just that. It's manipulated and contrived. Um, and uh, I don't know if you, if you're aware of the the history of Andrew Jackson fighting the Fed. Uh, that's really been the the causal uh, force behind our our monetary value dropping like a stone since 1913. Um, but yeah, the, the Muslims, uh, by and large, there are there are different sects that do embrace usury. Unfortunately, at this point, uh, but. It's it's largely the Saudi Arabians that have become Westernized Muslims, um, but yeah, it's it's really a travesty that what's happened to our currency uh, through usury, literally, um, the 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 control of the expansion and retraction of currency controls the value thereof, and as they just print willy nilly uh, whenever they they need an extra dollar. Uh, it, it reduces the, the buying power of every dollar. And so gold goes up, the dollar goes down. And it's really by design. If It's no coincidence that as the Federal Reserve reaches its 100th year of, of operation, that we're at about 3% of our value of for a dollar as it stood in 1913 at this point. And it's probably even lower now. I haven't really paid attention to it for several months so i'm yeah. sure it's still going down they're still printing as fast as they can and you got japan printing as fast as they can you've got everyone racing to the bottom uh, <laughs> that's a good way to put it i, I think few people are uh, few people are aware um how money is created uh, in our central banking system that is called the federal reserve which has nothing to do with federal anything it is private families 
a central banking system which was supposed to be avoided one of the reasons this country was set up was to avoid central bank banking but what they do now is sit down at a computer tap a few keys and bang money is invented then that very money is loaned at interest to places like governments so from the onset of the creation of money out of nothing with no monetary value of any kind uh, debt is created so the basic idea that you hear on the news at night that we've got to get you know this debt under control it's laughable this system is built on debt but anyhow i want to jump over to you john um so you came up <clears throat> through college ball um and ended up going to the pros and uh, i know a lot of the people listening to this are going to equate pro sports with kind of what's called the new world order the rigged system even taking it so far, many are starting to try to demonstrate that almost all pro games are rigged. Um, they're using gematria, numerology, and other things. Um, what was your sense of things? Um, was there a big difference between what you saw going on in college ball than when you got into pro ball? Yeah, most definitely. Um, now, I, I came up, you know, um, without obviously revealing my age, but I, I, I watched a lot of what they call the old school guys in the eighties play basketball. And obviously growing up playing basketball, then realizing uh, you're good in basketball, then other people realizing you're great at basketball. And then all of a sudden I'm fifteen, sixteen, I'm getting literally letters from everywhere. And so you get through high school, uh, you get certain accolades, you're deemed this or your number this. And once you start to hit college, you can you can very, very start to see if you have some kind of critical mind, you'll start to see that you're just being used to generate money. I don't know how much money was generated off our backs with that jersey and, and no player gets a dime of it nothing is set up uh, for the player's safety or their education you know we're just put through the system and used for at, money at the college level we're talking about yep at the college level now you want to take it a step further and you get into the professional level now you're talking about there's there's endorsements there's companies there there's corporations that that literally are going to end up owning your ass they're going to end up owning you and then you're going to end up compromising your moral system or your value system. And then you're going to find yourself in this weird place doing probably the most immoral things that you've ever seen. Because I've seen very, very good friends that were very, very good professional players in the NBA. And I've literally watched what happened, what money has done to them, the, the fame, the fortune, the, the arrogance, the, the prestige that comes with all that, the ass kissing that comes with all that. And for people who don't know, that's all fake. Yeah, they're shells. <laughs> they're shilling no. products, you know, is all they're doing. So so yeah. are, is it your contention then that a corporation is basically owning a human being with the mechanism of a contract? Is that how what you're implying? So to force somebody to do something, they have to be compelled to do so. Is part of the compelling done with legal implements like contracts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you don't act a certain way, or or really what they do is they put they put um, they really hide things in your contract under bonuses. That's what they really do now. That's why you notice a lot of a lot of contracts are there's 
they're outrageous, but if you really take a look at it, the signing bonus is absolutely what matters because that's generally the only portion that's going to be guaranteed is your signing bonus. So they'll give you all these other bonuses, and you'll have to do uh, – I know for me personally on a few smaller endorsements I had, there's all kind of social engagements, um, just, just the most random stuff that have absolutely nothing to do with the sport. And, and I understand you have to show appreciation and give back to those that, that are supporting the sport, but, but you have to draw a line. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing that me and other guys say is the only difference is that the field hands get paid in pro sports. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now um, who are basically ripping Hollywood, pro sports, and basically people who have fame and fortune apart. And the picture that they're trying to draw is, it's a pretty dark image. Uh, for one thing, they're trying to demonstrate that people who are, say, actors, or maybe not even actors, just people who are famous in some way, uh, on, a, on a really large stage, famous in a really large stage, uh, participate in the false flags, basically undercover, uh, working to, to help propagate false media. Uh, other people are trying to demonstrate that every single pro game that you watch on television is rigged and that the, the numerology and gematria uh, that can be put together on the tail end of a game demonstrates that these games are rigged. Um, what do you think about all that? Do you think there's any there there? Um, I, I can definitely go back as far as uh, even to my college, my college years. Um, uh, unfortunately, there were um, mentors, friends of mine, um, just other people that I've met and seen. Um, um, and it all starts with gambling. A lot of it comes from the gambling perspective. And once you start to see what even just a few individuals around me were trying to ask me for information and, you know, trying to get the tips on the game or whatever, because I knew they were going to lay a big bet or something. And it, it, it just gets out of hand. It's ridiculous, you know, that you can really see just from a few people. Now imagine just a few people I know. Imagine the hundreds of thousands of people that are putting money up. That turns into millions and billions of dollars. That millions and billions of dollars is getting paid to that NFL, NBA, or MLB, or NHL logo. They're getting a cut of it. And uh, it's, it, it's just... That, that's they, an automatic conflict of interest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the game is just not, not authentic anymore. I don't care what anybody says. So are you implying that the games are rigged? I mean, if you have owners or people on the board or even people who are just important people in society uh, that understand when and how to bet, uh, that would be a lot of incentive to rig every single game. Do you think that's going on? I, I can definitely say to a certainty, 100% certainty, that uh, it occurred uh, during the years that I was in college. Um, I have Not just me, or not me, but friends I knew, friends I had at the school, other universities, other collegiate players. Um, you know, it's, it's a sad sixth circle. And then if you take it to the next step, like I said, in, in, in the purple, um, it, it, it's bad. And I definitely can see just me watching the game because I know how to play. I played the game at an extremely high level for many years. I, Not to be arrogant, but I was always a great player. And um, I can look at a game and just see 
that something is not right. I can see that that game is not is not being played correctly. It's not being called correctly, and and it's just being thrown. Yeah, yeah, it's just being thrown. I I would definitely agree that professional sports is definitely being controlled by the powers that be, whether it's the owners, whether it's the owner of or the the commissioners or whatever big hat you want to put on these people, they have their hands in the pot, 100%. So I got to ask you, you know, um, I've watched at least two or three people doing the numerology and gematria on pro sports. um, And I always wondered if you were going to rig every game I started to try to think backwards. How would you do it? And the first thing that comes to mind is there's no way in hell that everyone on that team's playing the game. That would be too big a a rodeo to get a pin around. So yep. in your opinion, I mean, could every game be rigged with just the management or someone in management? Or could every game be rigged with, say, some of the key players? How How would that have to happen? If we look at all pro sports as being rigged, can it be done with just a small number of players or management or, I mean, go with that? Well, let, let's take a look. I mean, we all know this phrase. It only takes one Judas, right? Yeah. It only takes one Judas. Now, now let's, let's, let's separate here. Let's say the success rate of that betting or, or game fixing, now the success rate may be lower than, let's say, Okay, so let's say you have um, you have a superstar on one team, and you know that this guy can definitely determine the outcome of a game. That's the only person that you need to get to. Yeah. So there that's it the is. only person yeah. you need to get to. So there it is. That begins to draw the crossover line um, to fame in the in the way that we kind of look at rock stars, or in the way we kind of look at, you know, for lack of other names, the Angelina Jolies and Brad Pitts of Hollywood. Um, This is where we really see people kind of dissecting at that level of fame and fortune, uh, the complicity in these things. And the strange thing is, is the longer you watch all the work being done, you start to see that fame has a direct relation on the false news. As an example, the Paris attacks. Um, as an example, Sandy Hook, where they're claiming that actors were used in these events to push the false news. And so I guess my question to you would be, by the time you get up to the pro level, um, do you see the kind of walls between Hollywood and sports evaporate? I mean, is it all kind of the same clan at that level? Yeah, it's definitely all the same clan. I mean, just take a look at pro sports. You have players that are making, some guys are making 10 to 20 million a season just that year. Now you have a coach that's making one or two million dollars that year. So if if you're looking at it as a whole perspective, that coach is irrelevant. So like I said, if you want to get to somebody and control something on a team, you go after that superstar. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do is go to that guy who can determine the outcome of that game. If it's LeBron James, it's LeBron James. If it's Kobe Bryant, it's Kobe. It doesn't matter who it is. So do you think um, that there's any kind of genetic component to this? Or I, I have said for a long time that I do not accept for a minute that some kid goes to Hollywood and waits tables, gets a lucky break, and ends up being Brad Pitt or somebody like that. I have maintained that it looks like it is absolutely people from certain bloodlines, 
um, nepotism, this kind of thing, where the slot that the superstars occupy was waiting for them before they got there. Um, do you think there's any truth to that in sports? And in sports, it's a little bit different because you have to deliver. If you're going to be Wilt Chamberlain, you have to be able to do what Wilt Chamberlain does. But my question would be, um, are these just kids off some ghetto street that were just damn good at the game, or is there more to it than that? Well, I'm sure there's more to it than that. I'm, you know, I know some kids that come from, you know, hard times and, and whatnot. And the, the thing is, it's not even where they come from. What happens is you, you have – so this whole system, we have kids coming from inner cities and inner cities allegedly playing ball and trying to make it to the pros. These kids don't have an education. Okay, they can barely get through high school if they're even lucky to stay a year at, at the college level anymore. If they're even lucky to stay one year, now all of a sudden you give them 20, 30 million dollars. They don't know shit. They don't have any maturity. They don't have any sense of self. They don't have anything. Right. And you just give them money. You turn them loose on a world. That's why you see so many guys, domestic abuse, sexual assault, drunk driving, drugs, this drugs, that gun, this gun, that. What is happening to these kids? So well, I'll you, tell you what's happening. Well, Money on, is being jammed. Hold on, yeah. John. Let me, so you think it is possible that um, if we looked at, say, 50 of the biggest pro ball names, famous people, you think it is possible that they were just kids who at some point were recognized as having talent, and that's how they ultimately ended up superstars? Yep. Yeah. They, it's, but it, it, it goes where, like – and I just remember because I remember coaches uh, would ask a lot of coaches will ask players about other players. And that's where the real dirtiness sets in. Coach comes up to me, says, hey, you know, so and so. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's 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 been acting like this lately or he's been thinking like this lately. And then and that's all it takes. Now you have your Judas. So, Sean, let me jump over to you. Um, you guys have been buddies for a while, and I get the sense that in some ways you've been a bit of a mentor um, to John in this kind of age of an awakening. Um, what, as an, as an outsider looking into, you know, the pro athletic system, the kind of fame and fortune system, what do you see when you, when you, you know, get a friend like that and have a window in that most people don't? Well, you know, with Johnny, I, I think that you've got a humble character that you don't really find that often in pro sports. Um, unfortunately, that's the, I think that's the more the the general rule is it's, it takes a large ego to compete in such a, 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 a industry, and that's exactly what it is—an industry. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's basically the soap operas for men is what sports has become you know <laughs> we, we all uh for men you know that's if you ask any male that they'll you know they'll have at least a, a portion of the information you know if you say who who's got the most home runs they'll you know home run a home runs old hank aaron you know uh it's it's it, you're brought up into it uh as that that's your new tribalism <laughs> and and uh and it, it, I mean, we've got people that are constantly into these sports thick, you know, their their lives are, are, are literally formed around their addiction to sports. 
and they're all cheering on these people that don't even come from their locales, but they've got the, you know, the, 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 you know, the Miami heat, right. uh, you know, you know, they, they, they make it seem like they're from that city, but some of those, some of these players aren't even from this country, let alone from the city. The ultimate and, and, us and them, right? Yeah. It's, it's completely false tribalism and, and it's replacing for men the need to hunt. Uh, the need to to uh, be men, quite frankly, in the in simplest term, you know, to do right by the people that you care for, and and to to take to be a steward to the world for your children. Uh, unfortunately, that's all sacrificed with this fake tribalism that that really just matters not. The only way it matters is if you've made large bets on the on the games. <laughs> that's such that's, a gr- that's such a great perspective, you know, because I would instantly take what you just said and push it up to the national level and say that a flag, the flag of a country is nothing more than a tribe at a different level. You're being asked to buy into this, you know, I'm an American, red, white, and blue, and all it really does at the base of things. I like how you called it tribalism because that's exactly what it's like. Um, all of a sudden, you look at someone else's flag and they're not us. They're them. Um, right. And it's this construct that gets formed at every level. You know, I was a stagehand for years when I got out of the Marine Corps. And I remember on an occasion, everyone was in there, all the guys, you know, on the road crew were talking about sports. And they asked me something. I said, I don't know. I don't watch sports. And one of the guys said, are you even a man? How can you, you know, not watch sports and be a man? And I was like, right. really? That's what you, you know, I just kind of looked at him like, that's what you base reality on is whether someone has a team. But let me uh, let me jump for a minute here because I understand that you have some knowledge on lunar anomalies, and I know you followed me since roughly last March—not this March, but the previous. Um, can we talk about your interest in lunar anomalies a little bit? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I've I've been a moon watcher since I was a young child. I I I just I have an affinity with the moon. It looks like a woman to me. Um, Literally, it's, it has the beauty of a woman, it, it, to, in my perspective. Well, I've always been attached to the moon, and uh, back in 2010, immediately, I mean, oddly, today's the anniversary of my awakening six years ago, uh, to, to the at least to the political problems. But uh, in that awakening, of course, once you've started to wake up, everything becomes involved, in, including the the moon and the planets as that's we call right. them that's right um and uh back in 2010 and i believe or 2011 it was march 2011 i i discovered the moon was not where it was supposed to be um and i didn't know it consciously or uh into into intellectually i knew it intuitionally that something's off with the moon so i went and got my azimuth i'm an astrologer uh, so I, I, I do have an azimuth, so I can just check the ephemeris' accuracy periodically. And uh, by, by God, the moon was not declinationally correct. It was too low on the horizon. And uh, so, I, so I started expl- – Explain to people what declination is so they understand what you're talking about. Well, declination is a variation from the ecliptic. Uh, the ecliptic would be zero degrees exactly and as you go as the body moves south or north of that uh ecliptic it, it becomes either positive or negative in declination and at the t- at this time the moon was supposed to be at uh two degrees 11 minutes 
uh, south declination or negative declination. But it wasn't. It was at more like nine degrees uh, huh. negative declination. And I, I got on to Pal Talk and started searching for people on there because I had heard that there was a large astronomical community that was actually seeking Planet X, of all things. Um, and I got in there, and you know the people were like, well, they, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, we, we need some kind of proof. And I struggled, struggled for months to prove it and just couldn't come up with a way to prove it besides visual uh, – uh, perspective to the horizon, and that can change wherever from when you go to, to one place to another. Right. So it, it just wasn't working for proof. So I was getting real frustrated. And then Cornell came out with a paper saying, yeah, the moon is not on its proper declinational uh, alignment. And it, uh, all of a sudden, I had this quasi level of fame in this room because uh, I had picked this up, but it was just my intuition. That, that led me to it. It wasn't uh, any kind of intellectual capability. So what year do you mark your awakening? Uh, 2010, April 13th. Oh, wow, the day, wow. So, I mean, that's kind of fascinating to me because there comes a point when you no longer accept the system that you grew up with, when a whole other style of learning comes into play. Um, for most of us, we come up through school being taught that memorization is learning, when in fact right. memorization is not learning. It's training. And human learning, what I consider human, what the kind of learning a human being can do, has nothing to do necessarily with problem solving or anything like that in the way you would go at an equation. A lot of it has to do with we don't really have a word for it. I will call it intuition, but it is so much more than intuition. It is an inner awareness. Do you, do you, is that what you're referring to when you kind of had an inner awareness that the moon was not in the right position? Yeah, it's, 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 my word for it is visceral. Um, it's, it's a visceral matter. It's, it's human experience. Uh, and um, I had just never seen the moon make a smiley face in the sky before. Uh, it, it was literally like a bowl that would hold water, if you will, the illuminated part of the, of the portion of the moon, the limb right. that was lit. It was like a bowl, literally, to the horizon. And so it, I was like, I've never seen that before. Something is wrong. And nope. Go ahead. And that's, and, th and that's the basis that people should use for, for learning is their own experience rather than what they've been trained it's not teaching to, to, to get someone to memorize and regurgitate. That's right. training. That's right. That's absolutely right. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, having that view of the moon because um, I would say long about maybe it was 2010, 2011, if I had to guess, because it was before I was filming, which began in 2012. Um, so many people were contacting me, uh, friends and stuff, saying the moon's not doesn't look correctly and at the time uh, I urged people to go look at a liberation animation uh, some people say liberation but it's actually liberation yeah it's liberation yeah. Um, and what that shows you is that roughly a 90 degree rotation so if the moon was like a pizza and you were just going to spin it so the pepperonis went in a clockwise circle um, that's the kind of rotation we're talking about over six hours, you get basically 90 degrees roughly of rotation, and the whole supposed sphere, 
whether or not it is a sphere, tips a little forward and leans a little bit back in this libration animation. And so I'd urged people to go out and look at that, but what was funny thing is as I began to scrutinize what NASA was posting to animate this, I began to find discrepancies myself. And the real problem became trying to get information that was prior to the year 2000. See, because I knew what I was seeing, and I knew that it matched some of the things I was being told, some of them. But what I wanted to know, was this true in the 90s? Was this true in the 80s? And this is the kind of trap that we find ourselves in with Google controlling search returns and Yahoo. Um, when we try to go look back before the year 2000 at many, many things, it's difficult to do so. So when you noticed that the declination was wrong on the moon, had you been measuring it up to that point, or is that when you began to measure it? That's what I started measuring it at that point. And it, it quickly, uh, uh, I guess you would say, adjusted itself um, <laughs> for lack of a better explanation it, it quickly went back to normal it took about five months for it to go back to, to find its its normal declinational path and it and I haven't seen a deviation since um, and we had equated it to to planet X in the room we figured it was gravitational uh, but now <laughs> my understanding of gravity is quite different uh, but uh, at the time do you accept planet X? I accept that Planet X is impossible. Okay. I accept we, that we we agree there. <laughs> I, I accept that Planet Planet Venus is quite impossible. Uh, there's no planets, in my opinion. Uh, that's not fact. That's my opinion only. Uh, but I don't really don't think we have planets per se. We have lights. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I I say that all the time. Um, but what's even kind of interesting about this conversation we're having is, I'm edited a video together before we started recording this show. I haven't had time to render it, but I will be trying to get it out today when we're done with this show, and I will be announcing that in my view, space is water. Um, and it's, oh, wow. It's, oh, yeah. It's nice. It's really nice to people, to meet people who uh, are out there challenging to the degree that you're challenging, because I would imagine the average person, if you said planets are misdescribed, they would look at you as if you ate too much peyote. Um, what you, what you, you must have seen the lunar wave footage. I mean, what's your reaction to the lunar wave footage? You know, my reaction to it is, oh, my God, what the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I've, I've, whenever I have something that challenges my perception of my reality, I have to rectify it. It can't just sit there and and be a, a thorn in my consciousness. Um, and that's what I think is causing it, actually, Crow. In my opinion, it is the awakening that's happening that's causing the lunar wave. Huh, that's an interesting, interesting thing. I mean, John, uh, I've talked with you a bit more than I have with Sean, having just met Sean recently through you um i understand that sean's a bit of a mentor to you but i mean what is your reaction to the lunar wave um you know it was fascinating obviously you know uh, getting into all of this um area of knowledge and 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 being able to to for you to do what you do and we get to see it and, and it's in its uncensored authentic footage it's uh, absolutely amazing it's phenomenal and I would, like I said, I would always um, 
uh, defer to my mentor, Sean, and, uh, you know, just to, to listen to his knowledge and to break things down, it really gave me an understanding of what's going on. And, uh, I mean, I, I can't help it. I mean, my, I have my own family that, you know, laughs or jokes or questions me. And, you know, it doesn't bother me for the first time ever because I feel like, you know what, I finally know and feel the truth. And uh, that's that's something to be said. I've, I was brought up in a church my whole life, all this mess. And you know what? I never got anything from that or school or anything. I have not opened my mind and been able to learn like I have until I was awake. Well, that's a funny, funny thing because uh, there's a line in the Matrix movie where Neo, I don't know who he's asking, maybe it's Morpheus, I forget, uh, why his eyes hurt, and I think Morpheus is the guy that looks at him and says, because you've never used him before, um, I would submit to you that in some ways you had never learned before uh, the awakening came along, uh, because basically what the majority of school learning is, is a teacher standing in front of you telling you what you need to remember. Uh, that's what all of history is. Uh, that's what much of math is. And while you do work out formulas, you are memorizing um, how all that is meant to be applied. Um, and so then it comes down to spelling, the, the level of spelling which we have as commoners, uh, not the kind of Harry Potter spelling that goes on at different levels. Um, it's all memorization. And it's a funny, funny thing to meet two followers, for me anyhow, and gauge the reaction for the lunar wave. Because when I first put it up, I would say the majority of people uh, were ready to certify me as batshit crazy. Um, and that changed as time went on and we got further away from the 2009 where I mark kind of a mass awakening. Uh, now they're in a minority. The people that come and tell me I'm just absolutely bonkers is actually in the minority uh, online. So it's very interesting. But Sean, are there other lunar anomalies that you've looked into or followed or anything like that? You know, the declination of the moon was that was the main thing that I was following up until I found your channel. Uh, and at first I said that this guy's manipulating his, his footage. Uh, when I, really, I, I, to be honest, I, I just thought, you know, that can't happen. That's just impossible for uh, the light to literally re regenerate. Um, and uh, that's, that's as far as lunar anomalies, that's it. But there's several other anomalies in, in, in the astronomy field that uh, – that never get addressed. They never even get spoke of or thought of. And uh, I mean, it, it would take it would take quite a while to list them. But uh, our cons our construct, as as you put it, uh, is is a consciousness. That's all it is. <laughs> and so everything in it falls within that that controlled realm. Um, in my opinion, there is no such thing as space because we don't need it. To experience physicality uh, as as beings, not as necessarily human beings. We're human beings right now. And we're we're operating a meat bag with our consciousness. Okay. <laughs> right. Yep. And About there's right. a and the, even the Bible gives a lot of it away. And and I'm not a religious person. Don't get me wrong. But the Bible was written to be the almighty truth, the authority for the Christian Christian religion. And it, you're not going to go putting falsehoods into such a book. 
especially something that would be easily provably false. Uh, you would you would try to keep as much truth and and if you had to lie inside it, you would want to make that lie concealed. Now you can't do such and and not create water in Genesis, but that's exactly what occurs. If you look through the Bible, you'll never see where what God creates water. It's already there. And huh. so space is water. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, and, and as you were talking, I began to think, you know, what if, you know, a year from now, um, I'm sitting here today announcing that Crow 777 is of the mind that space is liquid, and say a year from now something happens where a lot of people are pretty sure that's correct. Can you imagine what a boost religion would get out of that? Because, like you said, um, you're probably not going to write a book where things that could easily be disproven or will certainly at some point be disproven would be put in there. And like you, um, I claim no religious sect whatsoever. I belong to no group on this planet. Everything I do is individual. And I came to the understanding some years ago that for me, joining anything was no longer going to be possible. But having said that, I also understood, having studied Christianity, Tibetan Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, many of the ancient kind of spiritual beliefs in India, uh, the only real main religions that I didn't look at, because Ju Judaism is kind of mixed into the study of Christianity, uh, was Islam. And what I found was, is that across so many texts, they are talking about the same thing, the firmament being separating the waters from the waters. And the problem becomes is that online we get these groups of people where if you cite a religious book, then you're a Bible thumper and you're an idiot. And then Precise. we get the other side where if you don't believe this book, then you're clearly in league with Satan and, you know, you're a piece of shit all over again. Um, so it's very hard to thread the needle, but it's interesting to, to hear you put it in the way you did. Um, sounds to me like you were already of a mind that space was water long before I said anything in this conversation. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, I, I, I can't just accept an idea. Um, it's, I have to dissect any idea and, and let my mind roll it around for weeks, days, years, if it takes that. Uh, but once I, you know, I, I tried to be a Christian for years, and I just I understood and perceived that I could not believe it. I just can't believe it, you know. And and that's the whole basis for the religion. You have to believe it, and and so I'm I'm a person that has to ask questions, you know. And and that's another thing that Christianity said. Oh, don't don't ask questions. You need to have faith. <laughs> well, I I do have faith. I have faith in me, and that and that I've created this life. And that it's going to do what I need it to do, uh, regardless of, of, of my conscious uh, application thereof or not. It's, it's going to be there for me. I'm going to get what I need from this existence, or I wouldn't be having it. <laughs> it's just that simple for me. It's a, to me, it, it, everything is based on consciousness. There's, there's, uh, no, there's no doubt. I mean, it, what you just said is the basis of this deception in which we live. Um, it is almost, in a way, like magic. In other words, if you could get 100 million people to believe something, then automatically it exists on some level because 100 million people believe it does. 
um, it's almost to that extreme. Unfortunately, what we see is a lot of fear, violence, <clears throat> divisiveness, kind of tribal mentality is wholesale what the media has become. And uh, it's, a, it's a crazy, crazy thing. But, but while we're on this, you know, we've been sitting here challenging, you know, space, the nature of space, planets and everything else. Let me jump over to John, because uh, I understand, John, that you are a bit of a flat earth individual. And actually, I haven't <laughs> talked with Sean, so I'm not sure what Sean's point of view is. And on the record, I have said many times um, that I will never join the flat earth uh, group organization and that I will only ever talk about things that I can observe or reason out uh, independently by myself because um, I view groups as a big drawback in ever getting to anything true. But can, can you talk a little bit about your belief in the uh, failures of the heliocentric model and the geocentric model and flat versus globe Earth? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and like, let me say, you know, um, when I say flat earther, I'm in my own you know, own little group, just me. <laughs> and, uh, um, but I mean, it, a lot of it goes to what, what Sean had mentioned. Um, uh, your, your conscious will, will, your conscious will tell you almost to the point of what's right and what's wrong. I mean, otherwise, why do we have the sense of hearing, smelling, feeling, seeing it? I mean, what are we supposed to use them for then? So, once once I awoke and then, you know, Sean started mentoring me and, and just really showing me things. Hey, do this. Look at this. Do your own research. Find out for yourself. Go do it yourself. Wake yourself up almost is what it, it's kind of like. And um, nothing makes sense on a globe model. Forget all the stuff that science can't prove with the globe model and all this other stuff. Um what, what was it what was it that kind of really that was it for you I mean at what point do you remember what specifically it was that that made you say okay that's it the globe is not for me anymore yeah one of the things was I and it was it was such the strangest article that I had been looking up uh, so I played pro sports we all know that so I've traveled uh, I've been on all I've been on five of the seven continents if you want to call them the continents now, but I've been all over the world. Literally, I've lived abroad for many, many years. I've taken many, many pictures, um, not ever knowing what in the heck I was f taking. I came across this article saying why they took the Concorde out of service, one of the real reasons why. And basically, it was because technology was getting to the point where people were starting to be able to take photographic video evidence at this high altitude and not see any curvature. Um, and so that kind of article got me jump-started. I looked at a bunch of my photos and I come across a video that I had from a, um, I believe it was an Air France flight. We were going from, from uh, Paris to Frankfurt and it was just when they rolled out the new Airbus 320 and the, I was lucky enough to let the, the pilot was lucky enough to let me sit in there for the entire flight. Once we took off and the seatbelt sign came off, he let me sit in there for the duration of the flight. And I took this recording and I never, never, never knew what the heck I was looking at because I'm pre-programmed to automatically think what I'm looking at is a ball. And that's bullshit. I've been on five continents on this place and everywhere I look is flat. 
So do you do you have good video evidence from altitude that there's no curvature at the horizon? Yes. Yes. And and, and you, the beautiful part is I was using video camera uh, video technology from the mid 90s, the late 90s. So there was no fisheye or wide angle lens really then. Do you know Not what the alti- the, do you know what altitude you're at? 50,000 feet at approximately 1500 miles per hour. Wow, do you still have that? Would you be willing to let me run that on my channel? Yeah, absolutely. I will dig up what I got, and uh, I can most certainly do that because I, I was lucky enough, you know, to fly the Concorde is what it was. I was able to fly the wow. Concorde, and uh, I'll tell you, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole Masonic trip in itself, right there. The people that I met on on a couple of those flights, um, as they say, you can really. I, I've met some movers and shakers in this world. The people that 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 make this big system go, I have no doubt I have met them and shook their hand. And they have, you know, whatever said anything back to me. It's just the people I've met in my experience in, in different places in different parts of the world has just been amazing. And then to take into account, I've been living in this prefabricated, pre-learned educational system that nothing matches up with my reality now that I'm awake. <laughs> nothing yes, did. That's the nothing. way of things. So uh, medicine, science, nothing, nothing matches up. It's all bullshit. It's like going to the casino. You're just going to the casino every day you wake up because the house is always going to (laughs) win. That's funny. So, Sean, where do you stand on the whole globe versus the plane? Well, for me, it was a really difficult uh, question. Um I'm an astrologer, and so I've been studying these things we've been calling planets and understanding the vibrations that come off of them and and observing them as a as an amateur astronomer all the while. And so it was very difficult for me to to hear the question of flat Earth. And uh, so I had there was a lot I had to rectify. Uh, at first, I just my nephew came downstairs and said, "You know, have you ever have you heard about this flat Earth stuff going on?" And I, I said, "You know, I think it's a psyop to, uh, to uh, eliminate our credi- our credibility as truthers. Uh, that, that that you know, what better than to have us running around saying the Earth is flat? The Earth is flat. But then I actually, you know, I." I I got over that ego-driven impulse to accept what I knew as fact as fact <laughs> and start and just said, you know, I'm going to open my mind to the idea and let it bounce around and see what it comes up with. Well, three days later, I'm, I'm struggling with it because of retrogradation of the planets or we, what we call planets. I'm sorry. I keep saying it that way, but. Right, we need uh, new language, yeah. Right, right. Well, that's a, that's one of the things that they've done is usurped our language in so many ways. Yeah, but, but, uh, but when I when I finally reasoned out how retrogradation could happen even in a flat Earth, uh, that was that was uh, pretty much the uh, block that destroyed the building. You know, it came out from under it, and it's no longer a globe in my mind. It's flat. Um, that's, it, that, that's very interesting, but as an astrologer, um, I did a lot of research into astrology over the years since probably my 20s, um, and one thing you must have considered at one point is that in the most popular forms of kind of scientific astrology and just ancient astrology, 
the northern hemisphere is used to model both hemispheres. Exactly, yes. So when you start (laughs) to think about that, but what always fascinated me about it, um, you know, when I was younger, sure, I probably thought when Jupiter was in the second house and Mars was in the, you know, the age of Aquarius, you know, I used to think there was some influence there in the way it was being described. But as I began to dissemble it and understand how much effort had been put into astrology and how big a deal astrology once was, because it was the astronomy, and then how it was purposefully defamed and turned into kind of like the Sunday papers, look at your fortune thing, I realized how much effort had been put into astrology. Um, And then later, as I began to look at the Vatican um, and understand (laughs) that the two pillars are actually the equinoxes, Joab and Boaz, and one of the many things they are is simply just the equinoxes, and uh, I began to look at what the equator was, I began to realize there's an aspect to this that we don't know because we haven't been told by the insiders. We have no teacher, whether they be a mason or some black magician, who knows why the equinoxes are so damn important. But, I mean, even when you began to look at the constructs early on, For me, when I looked at astrology, particularly what was once astronomy, scientific astrology, um, I always wondered why in the hell are they only using the Northern Hemisphere to model everything? So what about everyone in New Zealand and Australia? What did you think about that? You know, I never really thought about that until you're mentioning it here, Crow. (laughs) It's uh, um, the the fact that, that... you're using uh, a geocentric model is, is how 90% of the astrology in the world is done. Right. Is it, it's geocentric. It never gives the sun the center uh, because you're basically looking at it from, from a perspective of you are you. You're where you are. So uh, even if you were born in Brazil, say, in the southern hemisphere, you're still being born latitudinally and longitudinally on that disk. So it really does, the flat Earth or round Earth doesn't change it at all. Uh, what it changes, though, is the bodies that are moving around. They're not really bodies; they're just lights. They're wandering stars, like the like the American Indians called them. Um, and they're not even American Indians. That's another word they usurped. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, have you ever? Do you know the true meaning of apocalypse, Crow? Um, that which is hidden, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's revelation is what it means. Right, something uh, being hidden and revealed. Exactly, and that's what's happening right now. It's an apocalypse, uh, and people have been taught to fear the apocalypse, to fear the truth. <laughs> right, it's, it's, there's got to be I mean, zombies, you know. <laughs> what 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 used to mean happy now means perverted. Uh, you know, it's what used to mean uh, freedom lover now means communist. They, they do it. it it's it's like on a monthly basis that words are changing meaning at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, cra- it's, it's crazy. In the digital age, man, here in the in the kind of town I live in, there's always fights over the libraries. And I keep trying, you know, all the older people want the libraries and all the younger people say, no, we're not spending another dime. We get it all online. And I keep trying to tell them, you know, I have been involved with the Internet indirectly since before there was a public access Internet. Um, I was a webmaster in the 90s, right, as all this was happening. And I told them, you know, 
about Google's control over search returns, how they're scanning books. Every book for many, many years now has been scanned day and night uh, with the goal of getting all books digitized. Clearly, all books moving forward will automatically be digitally when they're published, but few people understand that there will come a point in time when any given text could be changed with the push of a button. You could take a book or any other writing where the word murderer was changed to a man. So instead of a murderer, they're just a man now with the push of a button because there are no analog copies anymore.